So what is the connection between Genesis P. Ulrich and Aleister Crowley, if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit of detail about how you found the connection and uh, how far you think he was practicing this sort of stuff? Oh, I think he was practicing a lot of it, but I think that his, I think that he was part of that kind of, um, what, what would you call it, uh, like the occult underground, and all of his kind right. of works were the occult underground, and maybe not, maybe that underground, but to me it was, but going way back, going back to uh, the 70s, so coming mm -hmm. out of the 60s, but really involved in really dark kind of public theater, maybe like something you would see, something like... Uh, Abramovich do or something like that who right. maybe people kind of know of him but like really creepy blood and all you yeah, know just the worst really just stuff like uh, well they would do these what they would call performance art right, right? Yeah. Uh, which was like normally involving I mean they had a whole show called like prostitution just I guess they're trying to be like edge edgy but uh, to me, it just looks ritualistic, and they would use a lot of blood and, I guess, milk and urine. Right. So how do those things figure into, like, maybe, like, ritual For, sex magic? What yeah. Do you think? I mean, I think it goes back. But, I mean, just to follow up on the first question, so that kind of stuff does go through Crowley, like a lot of bodily fluid stuff is involved mm -hmm. with Crowley. But I think they studied a lot of that um, but back when he was doing what he called the Kung Transmissions. Which was right. a performance art group. He like mm -hmm. I have a quote from my book in Children of the Beast where he says we were weaned on the diet of Burroughs, Geisen Crowley, Viennese actionism, Desaad, Marquis Desaad, Pasolini who right. directed Salo, Bataille, and others. So, I mean, he's really right, so all the worst. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. So like the uh, panoply of you know dark figures. So Burroughs was also kind of right. new of Crowley as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I think that he knew, he actually said, and I quote this in my book, that he ran into Crowley after Crowley's death. So he kind of, like many of these other occultists, they tried to form some tie to Crowley. And that's mm -hmm. what he did is said that Crowley visited him on some like lonely street in the 50s. And uh, so there's all kinds of stuff. And even his fake name, his real name was Andrew Neil Megson. But right. he adopted the name, for people who don't know, he adopted the name Genesis P. Orridge because... Oh, hold would, on. There's a giant... I want to know why he adopted okay. the, but the stupid fire truck is being very noisy. Okay. I live on a fairly busy street with <laughs> a lot of very annoying sounds. There it goes. Okay, so you were... You were just telling me about how he adopted his name. So how right. did he come to his name of Genesis P. Ulrich? Because he would ingest his own bodily fluids is a nice way of saying it. Whoa. Yeah, yeah because it's Genesis's porridge, right? right that's right. sort of how I read the name, you know. Right. No, as you should. I think that's the way it's intended to be, yes. Yeah. It's like that, like a wordplay. But he's really? quoted it. He did an interview with a guy by the name of Richard Metz Mesker, who does mm -hmm. disinformation. He's kind of... He's interviewed um, Porridge together with Robert Anton Wilson, which is a fascinating conversation because you can tell how much these two guys really know about Crowley. They reference Crowley. And, but uh, he told Metzger he would eat his own, you know, semen. I see. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, so, so that Yeah, exactly. So that's the type of person. I mean, from an early age, he said that. So that's the type of person that he it was. It always seems, yeah, that they start early. Seems like it, yeah. Yeah. 
So what do you think the significance of the androgyne is? Uh, it seemed like uh, Ulrich wanted to become his partner, but he was calling right. her the pan. They were calling themselves, I guess, a pandrogyne. Right. But I think the the symbol of the androgyne is really significant within the practice of Satanism. Yes. Can you explain that a bit? Absolutely, very important. I think Crowley himself wrote about that was the identity of um, you know the devil that they were that he worshipped. He was a positive. He calls it the pandrogyne, the positive androgyne. So you can see Orage constantly normalizing this this transhumanism, um, self-evolutionary mm -hmm. uh, muta mutation, uh, constantly. And all like uh, he says it all the time and all these different things. But um, if you go back to Crowley, Crowley himself said that. And probably Crowley's, I mean, he, he had a paragraph that I quote all the time where he defines, you know, Lucifer as the, as the androgyne. Right. Well, Baphomet, I suppose, is uh, depicted as an androgyne. Correct. correct. Do you think it has something to do with, like, I guess transformation and, I guess, sublimination? Sort of like you're combining these two things and then you transcend somehow because you've combined them. Right. I just I think always so. wonder about that. It's the, it, let me, if I can quote this, he's, this is like one of the most important quotes, quotes about Crowley because this is what he says about Awas, who's like he's receiving material from. Mm -hmm. It's the B666 is preferred to let names stand as they are and to proclaim simply that Awas, the solar phallic hermetic Lucifer, is his own guard, guardian, a holy guardian angel, and the devil Satan or Hadit of this particular unit of the starry universe. This serpent, Satan, is not the enemy of man, but he who made gods of our race, Knowing good and evil, he bade know thyself and taught initiation. He is the devil of the Book of Thoth, and his emblem is Baphomet, the androgyne who is the hieroglyph of arcane perfection. Hmm. So this transformation, you can see that, I think, on different levels. And at one level, you're emulating, you know, what Crowley says, you know, is the devil. Yeah, and I guess they practiced a lot of like ritual sex magic. <clears throat> right. I think all uh, of it was, yeah. Right. I believe that's what, uh, even your, you were a source for that, I think, for that information. Well, right. Well, they, they, um, were kicked out of like the process church. They were kicked out of England, right? They were kicked out mm -hmm. of England for, they got caught. Somebody raided their home. And I've seen actually recently some of these videos, they were involved in heavy duty ritual magic stuff. And uh, they were called the Wreckers of Civilization. So Genesis P. Orge left and ended up at Winona Ryder's dad's place, Horowitz. That's her actual real given name. And he, so he fled to the U.S. and was in the U.S. after, you know, I don't know why the U.S. became this haven for occultists, but he was one of them. But yeah. Right. And so he, so there was an incident in the, in the 1990s, I guess, right? Is that the one you're referring to? Uh, the one that, was that the 90s? Maybe it was in the 90s. I thought it was in 1976. I got to go back and look at my dates. But yeah, he well, was, okay. no, it was but, 1992. You're right. No, it's with, right. Well, yeah, like, so Genesis Piodrid, like, gets the, the Scott Mark Yard, excuse me. They have all this stuff in their house, you know, right. um, and they have children there, two children. 
Right. And I was just wondering if you knew anything about that incident, uh, other than they suspected, you know, maybe satanic ritual abuse of these kids. I mean, there are uh, accounts from other people about his his house there. You know, they had all sorts of like BDSM, and they would yes. call their dungeon the nursery, which is also very creepy. A lot of their art also sort of incorporates. Uh, imagery that you know would be used for children i think that probably relates to the aeon of horus uh which i suppose crowley predicted that we would be in uh which seems to have a pedophilic obsession with youth youth the youth (laughs) well i think that crowley would say he would want to normalize all that for youth and he did that at his abbey at philema in the 20s so Uh you know these followers of his are engaged in the same type of behavior and i think that orage was in that too so but yeah but i mean they seized two tons of material from his place scotland yard did and then he ran for it um but they said that the television documentary that i said saw said that sex and blood rituals are taking place beneath a picture of Alistair Crowley. And I've seen some of that video. I was fortunate enough to find it from uh, one of these videos that, that, that I talked about. It's very graphic. It's very intense. And I actually saw somebody who I also know who, uh, this guy was networked with a lot of these other characters. And uh, I was surprised to see another person in that video. And that's not, not just... I mean, Orange was in a video with Eccles as well, more recently, yeah. before he passed away. But, yeah. So these guys know each other. They kind of can complete each other's sentences. Yeah, they all hang out. I found the connection with Jordowski really interesting. I never knew that before. But I guess if you watch Holy Mountain, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that he's involved in some sort of occultist belief system. Yeah. And blood, you know, uh, blood drinking as well, Jodorowsky. So you kind of see that same kind of bodily fluid type thing going on. Jodorowsky had all of Crowley's material. And, and he's networked with people like Camel and Anger and Dennis Hopper. So, Right. And all of these people, I mean, I think they sort of live on as legends. And I feel like there's been a resurgence of this sort of uh, obsession with the occult. Uh, thanks to like I guess Duncan Trussell and Joe Rogan. Yes. Uh, Duncan Trussell specifically with his uh, I guess his like midnight gospel show, which I've right. seems just like some very self indulgent. But the uh, animation itself is pretty disturbing. Yeah, and um, then one of those featured Damien Eccles as well, talking about magic. So yeah, it's uh, these guys are definitely pushing that stuff, and I think that Rogan himself is definitely within that group i mean those are his friends <laughs> i mean i did a show about something funny about joe rogan and uh i did i listened oh, to that yeah. and i checked it out i mean the fact that he goes on his show wearing nasa gear is enough to sort of put me off yeah. um that's, that's a different conversation yeah. uh so this uh i think you know satanism i always talk about how i think Satanism and transhumanism and even postmodernism are sort of connected in this uh, trinity of like the inversion of reality. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, and so what do you what do you think of like the satanic and and sort of transhumanist connection and like how sort of I think Pierre's art 
if you can call it that, uh, reflects these things. Oh, no question. I mean, I think that here's the quote that I put in my book, which is, quote, permanent change, this is orange, permanent change for a radical, positive, and liberating evolutionary mutation of the human species is the core essence and motivation of every single aspect of my creativity. So I think that he was one of the more early transhumanists that, you know, even mm -hmm. before high technology, which is now really they're talking mm -hmm. about uh, putting high technology in the human body. Um, he was really one of the, the primary ideologues of that. So I think that this whole thing where he's like doing tons of uh, plastic surgery, like like removing body parts and things like that, I think with his more wife and, and, and really tinkering with language where he went, his pronouns mm -hmm. were going from I to we and talked about, you know, right. very strange stuff. So even the language, for people who don't know, he started a group called, I think it was the Temple of Psychic Youth, and then the music band right. Psychic TV in 1981. So he definitely had, he was like the head of an occultist, and I knew somebody, I actually talked with uh, Fred Gianelli, it's, a, it's an interview on my site, who, who knew Orich, and like, did not have a positive view of him, but... You know, traveling yep. around and did See, all Most stuff. people do. <laughs> well, if you don't know this, there's like a like a Genesis P Orridge uh, like therapy group on Facebook with 800 members of people really? who survived. Yeah, who survived Genesis P Orridge. I forgot the name of it, but somebody told me about it. I was like, 800 people. Wow, because they were they, yeah. Wow. So yeah, like uh, I don't know what would, what would you call it? Like a group that like people ex Scientologist or something like that. Yeah. But they, yeah. but he was doing all kinds of weird stuff, you know. He had the twenty-three number was very important. Oh, I was about to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah. So they had their own numerology, goes back to the twenty-three enigma, and uh, I think that was emphasized by uh, Burroughs. Burroughs, right? Yeah. Right. So what is I? I heard that you dabble in numerology. What? What I, I wouldn't number? say I dabble. I definitely am very interested in their numerology as, right. as indicators of meaning for them. So, like, mm -hmm. Crowley had his own numerology in his system. 11, 77, 93 was important. These are all Kabbalistic numbers. But I think mm -hmm. 23, if you divide that by 1, it's 666, right? So, I think that's what these guys are really saying about the 23 enigma. Huh. And it's a prime number. Yeah, it's a prime number. Huh indivisible so um that was one thing that burroughs had but he had all kinds i mean sorry one thing that orich had but he i mean he was he was running a global kind of group cult where people would send things to him and he was in contact with them kind of in an underground manner but you know right was, he would send newsletters yes. and you had to pay i guess like 25 dollars to be in the psychic youth i think is what he was calling it yes yes um so he so, was, it was definitely like an occult, paramilitary occult organization. So these guys and their out view, their view of that time was much like the Process Church, who I think that Orange was affiliated with, which was post-industrial, post-civilization, you know, like the world is coming to an end. So they had this apocalyptic out view or uh, worldview that... But somehow he gets removed from the Process Church. Is that what you said? No, I don't think he was removed at all, but I think that he was oh. like kind of Crowley where they would just be a part of any oh. cult group that would have them. Like Crowley I was see. a member of the Masons and the 
Golden Dawn and his own group and the OTO. And I think that there's actually pictures of Orange and video of him participating in the process ritual. Yeah, definitely. And he, um, and he has process tattoos. He has the kind of their their kind of version of a swastika. Is it sort of like that black sun sort of thing? Kind of, yeah. It's like not a full swastika, but it's like four, you know. Uh, what do you make of their obsessions with Nazis and sort of the the Nazi imagery that they're always using, this sort of SS um, yeah. imagery? Why, why do you think they're so obsessed with that? Because they're dystopian in their views. I think that's their aesthetic. So I think that that's why they were into Manson and all that of serial killers and it yeah. really strange, like, some of the people he associated with, this guy Peter Christopherson, are you familiar with him? I'm not. Okay. I could probably... I think he was an actor. Does no, he was I... in the band... No, he was in the band with uh, with Origin, like, one of his close friends, and there were pictures ah. of them together. But he was actually a very... A semi-prominent artist and video director. He was doing videos for Robert Plant and Rage Against the Machine... All with this dystopian, post-industrial aesthetic and outlook that was con consistent with like his group. And he was kind of an offshoot group. He was in a group called Coil, which was also mm -hmm. influential kind of underground um, techno music. And uh, But, he, I mean, he was involved in like just this BDSM stuff like you're talking about and did all these videos. So I mentioned him and studied him for my documentary about the Smiley Face Killers because a lot of the uh, material that he put out, this one video called, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it basically goes through this whole, the same kind of uh, MO that's happening to these young men who are disappearing all over the world found in, in bodies of water. Mm. Yeah, so speaking of like the sort of BDSM situation, <laughs> not really sure what else to say, but... Do you, so my question was sort of, do you think Satanism or the practice of the occult leads to sexual deviancy, or do you think deviancy leads to practice of Satanism and the occult, or are those things even separable? I don't know. Um, I think that's a great question. Um, I don't know how they meld together while, why that, they, they definitely are like a double helix. It seems very common, like if you... So even Eccles and his writings and stuff like that, yeah. and Crowley and Orridge and yeah, there's like a, a real what would be termed like a fetish, you know, fetish mm -hmm. uh, quality to that. So I don't know why that happens. Maybe it's the di the satanic dynamic where there's like always the master and the slave or something like that. So it fits into that practice. I don't know. Like Crowley said, "Slave shall serve," right? So. Maybe that's the whole dynamic. I don't know, but there, I mean, it's it's definitely a strong theme. It's I mean, in my research, it's a strong element and yeah. theme of occultism. I mean, sometimes I feel like it depends on who it is. Like I, I've read a lot about um, Orridge and how abusive he was towards many women he encountered, um, and so I think maybe part of it. Maybe so for the victims of him, well, I guess these, what, 800 people on Facebook, right. there's some sort of like masochism there. And maybe they're sort of like reenacting their own trauma. But I, I feel like people like uh, Orridge or Crowley 
you know, they're there's they're the sadists of the of the situation. Um, yeah, I and agree I, with that, yeah. I just wonder I wonder if it's you know, they sort of make up all of these things with the occults and these rituals and things like this because it gives them a free pass in a way to just do all this strange sexual deviancy. No, it's a great point. I mean, it's kind of like the chicken, uh, you know, chicken or the egg yeah. or carp for the horse or whatever, you know, like right, which is right. first. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like like they're all, you know, these people are different. Therefore, they're interested into edgy doctrines and ideologies. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't think I do either, but it's something I think about because there's often, like you said, that connection there. So what uh, what made you become interested in this stuff? Well, I mean, I really st started as kind of a para parapolitical researcher, researched 9-11, led me to Crowley, mm -hmm. led me to the modern culture, led me to, you know, these things, and Crowley really was what led me to... Um, the West Memphis Three, because it's there's a strong theme mm -hmm. of Crowley within that. So then, that led me to yeah. who's this guy hanging out with? Like there'd be picture pictures of Eccles with people I didn't know. I didn't really know Orange before West Memphis Three, but why is he pictured with this guy? Who was this character with a you know weird top hat and and wearing makeup and a yeah. weird cane? And why are they all wearing black? Okay, so then I figured out who Genesis Peorge is. There's pictures of Eccles with Marilyn Manson part of that yeah. Marilyn Manson's band. He, I mean, he's around with like Ozzy Osbourne. So he's networked with all these other people with ties to Crowley. Um, all of those people want Manson, uh, uh, Osbourne and Orridge are all tied to Crowley. Yeah. So that was really kind of just it. And I was something that I was never exposed to. And it's not something that's, I mean, through my educational process, you just don't, there's no classes on, you know, a cult or cults or something like that. So, like, this is really yeah. happening. There really is an underground. There's really crazy yeah. things going on. I mean, I there were stories that I came across that I haven't published of people associated with Orge. I mean, I can talk to you offline. That I mean, they'll blow your yeah. mind. It's incredible. These guys are up to no good, and they kind of hint at stuff they're up to, but they don't quite tell it. But if you understand the symbol, I mean, there's, like Coyle, for example, this guy Peter Christopherson, there's videos of these guys doing this kind of um, action theater, the stuff that Meg, that Orange was doing, like literally covered in each other's blood. I mean, really brutal yep. stuff. So, yeah, um, I don't doubt not, it. Yeah. And there's uh, pictures. If you see the pictures of Coyle, there's they've got like these young men who look like they got beat up by Mike Tyson, and the two guys are wearing kind of like. Um, what somebody who'd be working on cars would be wearing, like a full body kind of work yeah, suit. Like a jumpsuit yeah, so the jumpsuit, exactly. So why are you doing that? Why are you making it look like you're involved in other types of abuse? Are you hinting at that? Are you promoting that? What's going on? Well I think ultimately the belief, I guess, if their their belief is do as thou wilt, there really isn't uh, anything stopping them from being completely abusive to yes. whoever it is that's been sucked into their orbit. Yes, or, um, or, um, or random victims as well. Right. Um, I feel like I had, I, I was listening so thoroughly. I feel like I asked you most of the questions that I had about 
that. Um, I guess my last question, because we'll just do like a half an hour, Great. I suppose, Great. which is totally fine. Um, my last question, I suppose, would be why do you think there's such a resurgence of all of this imagery in popular culture now? Uh, because it's everywhere you look. You know, part of the things that I'm doing now, I'm just looking and dissecting these music videos. And I don't really listen to a lot of very popular music. So it's shocking to me when I see, you know, the same images playing out over and over again. And I'm just wondering, like, why do you think there's such a resurgence of this? Because I feel like maybe there was a gap between, maybe it was more underground. I don't know. But now it just seems so in your face yes. everywhere. I so think it's just become, it yeah, it's become a more kind of uh, prevalent in the larger culture where it used to be a counterculture or underground. But I think that the real culture now is, a, is like, especially in Hollywood and these music videos, is occultism. That's what the symbols and all that stuff is they're showing you. So uh, you're seeing a real tectonic shift in, in the sensibilities of Americans. Um, and really stuff, I mean, if, if you consider this the kind of core American culture as the core, that means it's all glo global culture as well, is this, mm -hmm. these ideas of do without wealth and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, I think that that's really it. So there's, if you decode these symbols and the, imagery and the one eyes and the numerology it's all there so and the butterflies and how it ties into mk ultra and all this other stuff it's uh it's pretty disturbing yeah we'll have to talk about that at some other point but i think that was really good for the first time of ever trying to uh, speak with one another about about this and the reason i know about genesis pr ridge i suppose is because uh it in sort of hipstery art circles, you know, he's very venerated, you know, as this, you know, musical vanguard or something. And I always, he's always made me uncomfortable. And right. <laughs> so part of, part of, part of the culture I feel is sort of obviously, you know, desensitizing us to things that make us feel uncomfortable. And, you know, these people are very into no boundaries, right? Yes. Have yeah. None whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I think people need to maintain their boundaries in order to protect themselves. So I think, you know, these in, a, in themselves, you know, they're just inherently dangerous practices, in my opinion. I agree. So. Totally agree. And I mean, if you read, have you ever read through the psychic Bible that he wrote? No. Yeah. I mean, there's like pictures of like abuse taking place. Dudes tied up and, and yeah. with masks, camp masks, like really gnarly, nasty stuff. And some of the one of the guys who is was his editor. My understanding was a guy who teaches magic. Magic. Have you ever heard of Jason Louv? L O U V. Maybe no. Because I, I think he's friends with Trussell because I think he was on Duncan Trussell's show. So you can see these networker connections right. of all these different people. I mean, going straight to Genesis Pjords, if he's hanging out with, I guess the, if you look up this guy Louv, I think he was a like a not a probationer but like a acolyte of orange so he lived in his house and like they lived kind of like something was going on like in fight club right where you right. have to kind of work your way up the ladder and that's the odd thing about tyler durden in fight club if you read fight club it's like they say that they're a monk and i cover this in a cold hollywood they say they were mm -hmm. trying to emulate a monk and that a monk's 
kind of environment, and that's exactly what Orange is trying to do, right? The same type of commune type of thing, and this guy Jason Louvre is hanging out with him. He writes books about John Dee and, and teaches a magic course, and, and the, these guys are all connected. Eccles, the magic community. There's literally now a group that you can refer to as a magic community, a magic with a K, which probably wasn't prevalent 25 years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it sort of goes, the occult sort of uh, fascination, it sort of goes in waves, yeah, you know? Yeah, I agree with that, I agree with that. So, Cyclical. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people drew back after Manson, you know, people, and after Altamont right. and all these things, and people like, whoa, this is way too much, you know? And a lot of people knew these guys were networked, and, and uh, uh, Orange, by the way, was a huge Manson fan and, and adopted a lot of stuff. They actually went out to Spawn Ranch and took pictures and did all kinds of stuff. So Orange was really involved in in a lot of these, you know, emulating Manson and things like that. But uh, no, I think you're right. I think it's cyclical, and people see how how bad it can get, and then pull back, and it, it loses its uh, attraction or allure. And then you know, then a whole new generation comes up, and there there's a whole new group of people who who don't have the context to go, hey man, you could you can lose your life, you can go to jail. Yeah. It's- there's lots of repercussions, I think, in messing with such, um, for lack of a better term, I think, dark forces. Yeah, no, I think that's a very well said. I mean, if you even look at Crowley's life and all the people he touched, just wreckage, you know, suicides yeah. and yep. uh, madness. And apparently 800 people group. For- <laughs> right. I'm trying to find it, the support group, on on uh, on Facebook uh, so I can mention it. Oh, my but goodness. I can't. I can't. I can't seem to have it. It doesn't seem to pull up. That's fine. Well, I think we've got enough material. Well, I'll 